Welcome to Giving Back to Gwinnett on Business Radio X. Giving Back to Gwinnett highlights the wonderful nonprofit organizations that serve our community. Did you know there are over 4,000 wonderful nonprofits in the area? Our hope is that you will be touched by their mission and their impact so you too will be involved. I'm your host, Tom Sheldon. We're coming to you live from the Suburb Gwinnett studio inside the beautiful Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. Now, let's meet some amazing people. Hello, amazing people. Hello. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Hello. They're here. They're here. We've got a special show today. Obviously, we highlight nonprofits, and we'll be doing that. Um, the first, first, our, our first guest today, uh, Mr. William Atkins of Mar Incorporated. How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. Can I call you Will or William? Call me Will. Call you Will. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was being polite. <laughs> but also today, we have with us... Nina Owen. Hi, Tom. Hi, Nina. Now, you are an author, you're a mother, and you're also someone that suicide has touched closely. That's right. My um, 20-year-old son died in 2016 gotcha. by suicide. Gotcha. Uh, I tell you what, grab a cup of coffee, and we will be back with you in just a moment. Will, you ready? I'm ready. Let's kick it off, man. Let's kick it off. All right. Tell us a little bit about Will. Will. Will Atkins, before we get into the into Mar Mar Incorporated. Sure. So uh, I am a Gwinnett native, born and raised here. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I graduated from North Gwinnett High School. Um, so I've been around here for, for my whole life and uh, went into the counseling field and quickly got involved with Mar and I've really been at Mar for most, if not all, of my career. So uh, it's a special place for me. And... Outside of that, you know. What drove you toward uh, being a, a, I guess, what is your official title now? Uh, so I'm a licensed professional counselor. but uh, I'm That's the, what I was looking for. Yes. Yeah, but I'm the, the director of uh, the Men's Recovery Center. What, what drove you to that? Just something you, you didn't just stumble on it. I didn't. No, um, the short version of that uh, is coming at it more from the family side of experience with addiction. Uh, not my direct family, but some really close friends uh, that I consider family and watching them go through uh, active addiction and all the consequences that come with that and really not being able to support and help them. Uh, I wasn't equipped to do that at the time. Uh, and plus it's just way more complicated when it's someone that's family that you care about and have a connection with on that level to, to get them help. Um, so I ended up going that in that direction in the hopes of helping some other people. Uh, Interestingly enough, because it was so close to home initially, my thoughts were, I want to get into to helping folks, but not the addiction field. Right. Um, I felt like it was just maybe a little too close to home, but uh, circumstances and things just kept pushing me in that direction. And ultimately, I stopped fighting it uh, and leaned into it and uh, been doing it ever since. And it's just really rewarding work. And I love being able to do it. Now, you are the director of men's recovery. Correct. Or the recovery center. Correct. Uh, and so tell us a little bit about Mar, and then we'll start to peel back the layers of Mar. Sure. So uh, Mar's been around for over 40 years. Uh, I have a long track record here uh, of helping folks with addiction. And currently we have uh, our men's recovery program that helps, helps uh, adult males with substance abuse issues as well as some co-occurring mental health issues. Uh, we also have our women's recovery center in Lawrenceville. Uh, and then we have two government-funded uh, facilities for women with children and pregnant women uh, 
called our Right Side Up program. Those are in Fulton uh, and DeKalb. And so across those, we're helping quite a few people. We're uh, obviously a nonprofit organization, uh, private nonprofit. Um, now, at the uh, Men's Recovery Center, it's, it's community living. Correct. That's, that's our biggest uh, focus, really, is, is finding connection in community. And that means a lot of different things, you know, from the smallest being the MAR community for our, our guys. And in particular, we set them up in therapeutic communities, so two apartments living together, practicing the principles they're learning in day treatment, uh, how to live a life in recovery. But then doing the normal stuff as well, you know, uh, grocery shopping, cooking meals, right. resolving conflict. Uh, and then the communities just expand out from there. So you go from the, the two apartment community up to more on the whole, uh, then the alumni and the people that have been through the program, uh, the local 12 step recovery community being a part of that, and then reintegrating in their other communities of, of work and family. So th- this seems to be long term. It is. Is that important? Absolutely. So really with addiction treatment the longer the better um there's a movement in uh, a lot of the programs around towards short-term and insurance driven care um, which serves a purpose but for us we find that really the longer you can can explore yourself learn to process your feelings learn to take care of yourself and then integrate the principles of your recovery practice those uh the longer you have with that the more successful people tend to be so we're a 98 day program uh, and that kind of give or take depending on how people progress through the program but uh that's our first two phases and then upon completion of that we have uh, an extended recovery residence which comes with at least an additional 90 day commitment that's optional uh but guys and girls can stay up there for up to two years wow and uh, a lot of folks actually take us up on that I got you. I got yeah. you. Uh, I wrote down in my notes there's three phases. Correct. And I think you just touched on those. Yeah. So the first phase is really uh, group focused, treatment heavy. So they're in day treatment, which is uh, basically group therapy throughout the day, um, presenting assignments, doing things like that. It's more structure. So they're doing that during the day where they're doing groups in their community in the evenings. Uh, so actually in their residence, we go over there and do group therapy with them there. Um, they're going to 12-step meetings. There's a lot of requirements to, you know, that they have to fulfill. Sure. In the second phase, they transition to getting part-time work. So they're adding that uh, element into their recovery, but also dropping some of the structure down, uh, having a little more freedom. So they're showing up to work and then coming back to their community just to process through what yeah, they're do, experiencing. Do you help them find employment? Do you... Th- Companies. We, we do. So we help uh, support them through the, the job search process and point them in directions. Uh, we have a lot of involvement locally with several different businesses that have had experience with hiring Mar guys or Mar, mm-hmm. Mar ladies. Uh, and typically once they've had an employee that comes from Mar, they want more sure. because uh, they show up on time, they work hard, they're working on themselves, and they know with them uh, that they're somebody that's sober and in recovery versus the you know a random person off the street where they don't really know what their circumstances are uh in particular we have a farmer's market close by where there's a ton of of guys that are uh, a part of that facility both in treatment with us alumni and some long-term folks that have continued to work there so we've got a really good relationship with them now those in recovery is this just for drug addiction um, so that's our primary focus. That's your primary. Correct. But uh, we deal with a lot of co-occurring mental health issues as well. Um, really, the large majority of folks that come into treatment have something else going on. Sure. Um, whether sure. it's 
depression, anxiety, things like that. You do deal with depression. Absolutely. Yep. So that's a a common occurrence. Uh, It's so common, but it's so hidden too. Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of times the substance use and the issues surrounding that are at the forefront because they're very obvious. You see those consequences. uh, But you remove the substance and a lot of times you find underneath some other issues as well, uh, some other struggles. And so we address those too because, I mean, they're all interwoven, the mental health issues and the the substance use. What I really like, something you said earlier, you don't take care of these people or, or work with help these people as long as the insurance company says you can. Correct. And that uh, that speaks volumes of not just yourself but the organization. Quite honestly, yeah. Um, we I, we I, try I, to to cater the care just around what the client needs, which I think a lot of these other programs try to as well. But you know, when their funding runs out for whatever reason, they have no choice but to discharge them. With right, us, right. we're working with the folks the best we can to keep them throughout the full treatment. Uh, we have scholarships that nice. we offer folks that are struggling with the, the financial piece to, to help subsidize some of the costs. We do help them with filing some insurance to sure. get some reimbursement, but that's not our, our main That's focus. not what drives you. Correct. I've heard this often, uh, family disease, family disease. Yes. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so first off, we, we view addiction as a disease, sure. first and foremost. Sure. So it's something that, that happens on a, a physical, mental, spiritual level. Um, that changes a person. There's actual uh, ways that the brain chemistry is altered. So it is a disease. They lose the power of choice to be able, once they start drinking uh, or using their their substance of choice, consequences are going to happen that they never intended to happen. They're going to become a person they never intended to be. Right. Right. In addition to that, uh, family members surrounding that person really want to be helpful for them. They want to do whatever they can to, to support them, bail them out of these consequences. Can enabling be a problem? That's the number one thing. Yeah. So yeah. good intentions, trying to help uh, their loved one. Uh, may, not, may not even realize it. Most of the time they don't. Right. Um, so they're, they're involved in this enabling process, and really that changes their own personality, their sure. own mental health. Um, their focus becomes on their loved one rather than taking care of themselves oftentimes. Uh, so there's this dynamic in this, this different – dance and the relationship that develops over time. So just treating the, the individual is a starting point, but you also have to, to help the family so that these uh, old behaviors and these maladaptive behaviors, you can start to shift and change those too. I got you. And I mean, in addition to that, you obviously got the genetic component too. So sure. typically there's a family history of some kind somewhere in there uh, and all the effects that come with that. I got you. I, I've heard a lot about the Mar alumni. You mentioned the Mar alumni. Yes. So with us being around for as long as we have, we have an incredible, um, just incredible alumni uh, presence in the area here, you know, in, in the Dunwoody, Doraville area, Lawrenceville area. But even beyond that, you know, we've, we've got folks that have come through our program from other states and then they reconnect once they go back home. So we've got a huge alumni presence in Kentucky and Alabama all around. Um, but for those that stay local, the alumni host events all year long. So how do they influence this? So they work for you more or less. So what they, the, the way they really impact and, and help us is, is they continue to come back to things. Gotcha. Uh, so they're in, in some of these groups with the guys, they're, uh, again, involved with these events and things like that. And for someone early in recovery, who's just starting to look at, is this a possibility for me? Seeing someone else in recovery, having fun, 
really looking happy and joyous, that's a huge... Some mentoring. Absolutely. And, and, it, and you're not paying them to be there. No. They're that, there because they want to be there. And for the guys yeah. there initially, they can't fathom that. Right. Why would somebody right. choose to be here? Why bother with me? Exactly. And, that's pretty uh, cool, dude. Yeah. So it, it's that's always... Awesome. That's one of my favorite things to witness is just that that process and the guys that continue coming around and, and being a part of that Mar family. I got you. Now, we also touched on the professionals program. Yeah, that so sound, that sounds very important. It is. So you spoke about the uh depression not really being visible. Right. A lot of times addiction is not as visible when it comes to a, a professional. So we deal a lot with uh all kinds of professions, but in particular doctors, nurses, pilots uh that struggle with their own forms of addiction and for those people a lot of times because they're still able on some level to show up and do their job, right? Um, it goes unnoticed for a really long time, and it takes something happening at work typically to be kind of the final straw. Right. So a lot of times these folks come into us uh, by way of their employer saying, you know, you got to get help or this job is yeah. no longer suited for you or a licensing board, uh, the FAA. So they send uh, Delta in particular. We have a great relationship with Delta. You know, will send us a pilot. Uh, to get treatment, to seek help. And as long as they go through our process and follow our recommendations, they're able to return to flying. Uh, we're able to help folks get back to their license uh, if they're a doctor, a physician, something along those lines. Uh, and so we have specialized groups and treatment for those folks, uh, which involves you know reporting back to these boards uh, and then helping them with professional-specific issues. Gotcha, uh, gotcha. So these things touch a lot of different lives. A hundred percent. It touches all walks of life. I mean, you think about a Delta captain who, uh, and I'm not picking on Delta captains. I know a few of them, <laughs> but I'm just saying, I'm just using that as an example, folks. No, but seriously, you, you look at a pilot, he's a pilot. He's got sick. it all together. Yeah. He. Wow. Not yeah. to pick on, I feel bad for saying that. <laughs> it's, again, it's everything. It's everyone. Yeah. And that's something that, that we see. I mean, I, I think pretty much everyone at this point in time has some connection or some touch point to someone that struggles with this. Not to get real deep into this. Has COVID affected y'all? Have you, have you seen craziness? It has affected us initially when COVID hit, we actually saw a dip in admissions. Right. And part of that I think was uh, folks with these issues really had, had more opportunity just to progress in their disease. They're at home, no right. work, no, no things to, to not a lot of accountability. Exactly. Yeah. So folks, you know, retreated to their homes progressed in their disease and we're now seeing as things start to open up some of these problems becoming more visible gotcha. and gotcha. folks coming in and that's part of their story they maybe they lost work because of covid and that right. was, they were left with no opportunities and nothing else to do and um, so it has wide-reaching impacts and it was tough on us you know to to find ways to continue to build community while keeping people safe right right so so how does a, a normal everyday person like myself help how you need. You always need resources. Absolutely. How, how can we help? How can so we help Mar out? We there, there's several ways we do uh, utilize volunteers in various capacities. So we do a volunteer training program to prep folks to be able to participate in groups, whether it be a spiritual life group, um, a, a day treatment group, some of the aftercare groups, and things like that. Uh, we offer family workshops, um, both for folks that are currently in residence with us, as well as just for the community at large. So there's a way for folks, even if they're not 
directly connected with more. They can come and learn about the disease of addiction from the family side of things, uh, just to become educated. I think that's a huge piece in how people can help Yeah, is become educated in how this shows up. So when you see it, you know what it is and also how you can help and direct folks uh, towards the help that they need. Where to go from there. Exactly. And then the last thing, uh, donations of any kind are extremely helpful, uh, whether it be to go towards a scholarship fund, uh, to help folks getting into treatment or just for maintaining the facilities and things like that, uh, maintaining our lake retreat center that we use for the guys. Uh, and we, we hold a banquet annually in the fall, which is a good place uh, for people to be exposed both to some of the stories mm-hmm. of the lives that have been changed at Mar, uh, but also participate in that uh, giving back and helping support Mar on the whole just for, for our mission and what we do. Gotcha. There's got to be a website. It's marinc.org, M-A-R-R-I-N-C.org. Uh, can, can people donate on the website? Yes. Sweet. donation there as well. Um, we're on you know Facebook and all the, the social media things, so as opportunities come up, that's a good way to stay connected to us. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, Will, that wasn't so hard, was it? No, not bad at all. 15-ish minutes. Perfect. Nice. Nice job, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having uh, me. Stick around. Uh, we're we're going to talk to Nina here in a second. Um, and I don't normally do this with the open mic. I don't do open mics on this podcast. But you are a professional at this. And if there's just something you just need to say, I, I don't think Nina will be upset if you say it. Perfect. I'm going to try to leave her her space to tell her story. But if something comes up. I'll jump in. I got you. Always got my back, Will. One hundred percent. Always. The You're the man. <laughs> Nina, are you still there? I am still here. Good. Did you find the coffee? Mm, not yet. Yeah, no one. <laughs> Nina, it's been five years. It has been. Yeah. Um, so I have lived in Swanee and Gwinnett County for almost twenty-one years. Um, my son Sam was my oldest child. All three of my children went to North Gwinnett High School. Um, Sam was. Um, a student at Georgia Tech studying physics, had always been a very high achieving kid. Um, so when he died by suicide, it was it was quite a shock. Um, we knew he was struggling with depression and listening to Will talk here, I wish I'd known about Mar then. I didn't. When Sam first attempted in the fall of 2015, um, he came home and after a few days told his dad that he had attempted. And he had, he had done that by taking um, Xanax he bought off the street and drinking a lot of whiskey. He was out of it for a day and a half. Wow. So when he told us about that, I immediately, I'm like, where do you go? Who do you turn to? Mm-hmm. So I called my pediatrician, you know, who? Right. And she gave me the name of three local hospitals and said we should get him in for an evaluation. So we chose one and we did that. But because he was over 18, they couldn't share anything with us. Okay. He said he was fine, wanted to go back to tech, couldn't take the time off, would never try that again. So fits and starts. Um, and finally, he saw um, the uh, director of psychiatry at Georgia Tech. I had to make a lot of movements to get him over there. Um, so the, um, the doctor called me and said, you know, I think foremost the most important thing is for sam to concentrate on getting well mm-hmm. so oh, so he withdrew and it was a medical withdrawal um and we ended up um, putting him at richwood 
um, Ridgeview, sorry, Ridgeview Hospital. And interesting what you were saying about the insurance, because he was there two weeks, and that was still 4000 out of pocket. And, you know, he then went into a partial hospitalization. But, I mean, just, I'm just, um, well, very regretful that I didn't know anything more about, like, Will's organization. Since Sam's death, I know you've had to f- had a, just a journey to find peace. So you had Sam's death, and then you finished your book, mm-hmm. throwing it all away. That's the name of the book. Yep. Can you share anything about that journey? Yeah. Um, so he died in February 2016, and for a year, all I could do was grieve and cry. Uh, rightfully and so. I couldn't uh, move, you know, even though I was surrounded by wonderful friends and community that, you know, really um, helped us, it it just was too dark. And then uh, at the beginning of 2017, I was looking through Sam's computer, and I found some documents he had written, journals he kept, and also, um, like, some self-reflective papers he'd written for school or essays, and he also documented his drug use um his drug of choice was marijuana but then he also used lsd um so he um so when i found those documents i'm like i need to share this Mm -hmm. this can help somebody out there so i'd always wanted to be a writer my degrees in journalism so it wasn't anything just you know it was hard it was very hard took me four years to write the book um but six of the chapters are written by Sam, and I think having his voice in there, talking about his struggles, um, is really, really important. And part of my healing has been the book. It's not necessarily, people have asked me, you know, is it cathartic to have written the book? It's, it is and it isn't. I mean, now that it's done, right. it's good. Right. But while it was being written, I was experiencing that pain over and over and over. And um, yeah, the, the, the thing that, I, Sam was a um, biophysics major. He wanted to save lives, to find cures. So I like to think by the book, he is saving a life. Mm-hmm. His own work is in the book. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's really great that you shared that with everyone. Um, I, in my notes, I wrote down, why did you do that? I think it's pretty obvious why you did that. Yeah. It was also important for me to include his writing verbatim. Uh-huh. So nothing... It, it is his work. It is his work, and nothing has changed. And, um, you know, he was a 20-year-old kid, so he talks like he talks, but it was... A, well, he sounded like a very intelligent young man. Yeah, very. He was. First of all, you just said Georgia Tech. I mean, right there, you know, the, the lights come on, right? Uh, when I pick this book up, and, and I do plan on reading it, what can I expect? I, I don't know if that's a fair question. Well... The book. You can be a mom here. It's all right. <laughs> I can be a mom. You can okay. be a mom here. So the book starts out where um, it ends up being the day he died, but he was missing. And all of our, our struggles trying to find him, that feeling of loss. Um, and the book transitions in the middle to talking about Sam and his, you know, who he was and how he was. And that's where the chapters are interspersed with his writing. Um but I do end on a note, a note of hope because I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. You know, I um, have become more spiritual since Sam died, and that um, that has helped a great deal. Just knowing that I will see him again, and Absolutely. that his spirits in my life. 
I think one of the biggest mistakes we all make is we take so much for granted. Yeah, absolutely. Tomorrow is not promised. No. Mm-mm. You've lived this. You've gone through it. You've written the book. I I actually can't wait to read it. You've got to have some pearls of wisdom, some words of wisdoms for families, for people dealing with problems. Can you share anything like that with us? Sure. Uh, I would say don't discount anything. I mean, if they're experimenting with pot, there's a reason. For Sam, it was trying to um, self-medicate his depression. And um, if there's... If, if they spend a lot of time alone or a lot of time in bed or, you know, and, and with COVID, it's only been that much worse. But, right. you know, open up a conversation. That's the most important thing you can do. Just don't be a judgy parent. Just say, let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. Let's find an answer. Because um, suicide is like the second leading cause of death between for um, people 10 to 34. And that's shocking and awful and um so my parole of wisdom would be you know talk find the very best help you can find because there are good and bad psychiatrists out there there are good and bad therapists out there Mm -hmm. and you shouldn't just go with a you know one person recommends and go with that there's there's a good fit you have to look for everybody's different what works for one may not work for you know uh I don't want to end this show on on a on a, a gloomy note. There's got to be some great memories you've had. I want to know more about Sam, the young man you knew and loved. Okay, yeah. And there's got to be some great stories when he was a kid. His favorite food, his favorite movie. You got you got to share some good things about Sam. You got to. I will. He's a great kid. Uh, he was my only for almost five years, and so we spent a lot of time one on one. Right. Um, he had a passion for animals and he loved animals yes uh, he was a vegetarian for a certain amount of time and then he also he, he was just an empathetic compassionate person he would take on other people's feelings when we um when he was 11 i took him to france on a um a trip as an educational trip and uh, he loved it loved the d-day beaches and paris and I, I tell this one story in my book how um, we were being served this beautiful five-course meal at a French restaurant. And when the dessert came, he loved it so much that he finished it and then licked his plate. <laughs> nice. And I was humiliated with the tour leader. She was laughing. And I was like, okay, he is still a kid. But to me, Sam was always so mature that, you know, that kind of childlike behavior. is like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with him? But he was, um, he was a very good brother, a very good son. And a very good friend to many people. Well, Nina, we appreciate you coming in here. Uh, I know it can't be easy. Right. Regardless if it may have been five years, it still can't be easy. No, it's it's not. You know, I, I like to say that this book um, didn't heal me from the loss of Sam. Um, I'll never be whole again. Of course. But I have two daughters, and I have made the decision to get well, to be with them. Um, that's right. So that's You still have a lot to look forward to. I do. And I'm sure they love their mama. I think they do. <laughs> they're girls. You know, by I the way. say that like that, and it, whenever I say that like that, like, oh, well, they're I, should, 20, I shouldn't have said that. Like they're that. twenty and eighteen. Yeah, they love me sometimes. <laughs> well, they're, no, they're past that that teenage rebellion thing. Yeah, they're good. They, sh- they should be. They they should. Will's over here laughing because he was a rebellious teenager too. We all were. Mm-hmm. Everybody it's, is it's on some level. It's part of life. Uh, NinaOwen.com. Yes. 
We go to the website. What can we buy the book? You can buy it there. You can buy it on Amazon. Awesome. Um, buy ebook or um, paperback format. Um, you can buy it on select Barnes and Noble or BarnesandNobles.com. BarnesandNoble.com. Um, also Walmart.com. Gotcha. Yeah. Are you? Are will you uh, personalize any of them? I will. Awesome. Yeah. Folks, Nina Owen. That's Owen, no S, just Owen. NinaOwen.com. The book is throwing it all away, and it, I guess it's it's uh, what a son's suicide and a, and a mother's search for hope. Right. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. Will you you still over there too? I am. I I would just like to. This lady's pretty strong. A hundred percent. Um, I can't imagine what it's like to go through something like that. Uh, and I just I applaud your courage Thank with you. sharing your story. Um, that personal touch is so helpful. For other people that are struggling you know whether it's with their own children themselves uh, just knowing that that people go through this type of things and, and come out the other side remaining you know okay is uh it just is so helpful so thank you for for sharing your story well thanks will really appreciate you saying that thank you both for being here uh, and, th- and thank you folks for joining us on giving back to Gwinnett there's my music I knew it would be there somewhere <laughs> I'm Tom Sheldon. You've been listening to Giving Back to Gwinnett on Business Radio X.